Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Uncensored Empath, a place for us to discuss highly sensitive energy, illness, healing, and transformation. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a life and success coach for empaths who want to create a thriving body, business, and life. Think of this podcast as your no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship. You'll get straight to the point, totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing and growth journey right beside you. This is a Soul Fire production. All right. I'm super excited. Today's episode is another Q&A. I'm going to be utilizing the Uncensored Empath Facebook community's questions and going through some really fun ones today, some powerful ones. The first is from Sarah. Hi, Sarah. She says, we share an awesome name. So she is writing, I'm currently journeying a past friendship. At this point, I'm six years in and still struggling with mourning it as I had no closure. It was just poof, erased with no explanation. It's been one of the most powerful teachers of my healing journey, and I continue to learn more about myself at each layer that it brings me to. But at this point, I'm just tired of its ghost and I'm ready to embody new me and leave past me in the past. Do you have any advice on shedding a past version of ourselves once we are ready? I love this question and I think it's probably really relatable to at least most listeners where we had a friendship that is just not what it used to be or maybe it just has poof erased whether there was explanation or not. And I love that Sarah writes in her question that she already realizes this has been a powerful teacher in her healing journey. And she's been able to, it sounds like, glean a lot of the lessons that this this friendship, this relationship taught her. 
And it also sounds like she's ready. She's ready to move on. But I want to just propose a few questions to ask yourself to check in and allow this process to be as graceful, easy, and flowy as possible. So the first question I want to ask you is, what lessons does past you still have to teach you? That could be a reason why you're still holding on to that past version. Even if our conscious mind is really ready to move forward, let it go, drop it, bury it, bye-bye. And our subconscious mind, though, is is still fixated on it for any reason, which those reasons can be very vast, then even if consciously we say we want one thing, our subconscious is always going to trump that conscious thought. So I have a powerful experience I take many clients through called timeline therapy. And in this, this visualization, we go back and we hover over that past event as long as it's safe and not re-traumatizing. And as we, we hover over that past event, then we ask it. We look down below it so we don't have to re-experience. You're just looking from an observer's point of view, bird's eye view. And we just simply ask, what are the learnings here? What are the learnings? What lessons maybe have not quite been picked up that might still exist? And once once integrated into your subconscious, once integrated into your being, will truly allow you to move forward and let it go. I also want to just present the idea that shedding a past version of yourself can be very powerful. It can be that phoenix rising energy. It can be this rebirth energy. But there's also a lot to be grateful for and to hold on to in a way that helps us remember where we came from. So you may also want to get clear in your wording or in your idea of what does it really mean to let go of past you? Does it mean we forget her? Or does it mean that we no longer have the same beliefs, values, boundaries, et cetera, as her? We can still appreciate everything she's gone through. We can appreciate the journey she went on, the choices that she made, the decisions and or regrets and or challenges. We can find forgiveness. We can find acceptance. And I'm consciously choosing to move forward in a different way. So what does it really mean to let go of that past you? If it feels a little sticky, we want to really check in and make sure that you've gathered all the lessons and learnings so that the subconscious can really begin to see and get on board with, this is the best thing for me. And that goes into my next question, because it does sound like, like Sarah is ready to move forward, but it's still helpful to ask, what about holding on to an aspect of the past, to maybe an emotion connected to the past, or to the way you used to be, helps to keep you safe or supports you in some way. These are not always obvious. They are often kind of hidden, and it does help to go through a coach, work with a coach, talk with a coach about some of these things if you can't find them on your own. And there may not be any there. This may not be the case for you, but what I find in, in many clients is there's what's called an underlying commitment or a secondary gain. An underlying commitment means consciously, going back to conscious and subconscious, consciously, I'm ready to move forward. Subconsciously, holding on to this anger in some way benefits me. So my subconscious thinks that 
that that's what's best and that I should I should hold on to it. So again, these are not always obvious. They are not always in plain sight. That's the whole point. Consciously, I think I'm ready to move forward. Subconsciously, there's a secondary gain, meaning in some way you gain from not moving forward. Or there's an underlying commitment, meaning I'm actually committed to something in opposition of what I'm consciously saying I desire. While not always easy to identify, or especially to come to terms with too, because you're like, no, (laughs) no, that can't be true. But oftentimes it is. And again, you'll just have to check this for yourself to see how it applies to the situation. But it's really helpful to just ask and double check. What about holding on to this keeps me safe? What about this may still be, even if I don't want to admit it, supporting me in some way? You may find something there. You may not find something there. And then lastly, I would just ask the question, where am I withholding permission to myself to move forward? Is there some reason you haven't allowed yourself to really step into that past the shedding and into the up level, the next level? And if there is a reason, what is it? And that could go back to the underlying commitment or secondary gain. But it could also just be like fear. I don't know who I am if I'm not that person anymore. I'm afraid I'm not going to find a new friendship like that friendship. So again, it's just helpful to ask these inquiring questions around why it might still be the current situation versus what you consciously desire. So to, to recap, we need to get the whole nervous system on board, conscious and subconscious. And part of getting the subconscious on board is making sure that we've cleared any underlying commitments or secondary gains. And that we also notice if there's any emotional attachments or connections that may be holding you back. As we begin to clear that, there's no doubt in my mind, you will absolutely, if you have not already, shed that past version and stepped into this new reality and this new version of you. All right, let's move on to the next question. This question is from Lauren. She writes, what is your advice on working oneself out of exhaustion, either from autoimmune illness or adrenal fatigue? So I take this to mean, how do we get out of an exhausted state, which can be very parallel with survival mode in our nervous system, where we're stressed out, not sleeping, maybe have underlying clear causes of the exhaustion, like adrenal fatigue, as Lauren mentioned, or like an autoimmune condition that are creating it, creating a situation within the body that feed into exhaustion. So it's funny that I'm answering this question now because as you guys have heard me mention, and we did a whole interview with my husband about pregnancy, this has been my reality lately as well. Not autoimmune, not adrenal fatigue, but just due to pregnancy in this first trimester. And I've been so exhausted. It actually triggered some fears related to my darkest moments with chronic illness and autoimmune, it like brought me back to that point. And I had to remind myself, this is not the same thing, even though it feels very similar. So we have to remember to put our body's needs first. I know it sounds so obvious, 
but are you actually doing it, right? Are you actually doing it? Putting your body's needs first. And the only way to really put and make decisions to put your body's needs first is to know what your body's asking for. If you don't know what your body's asking for, if you don't know its signals and how to communicate with it and the messages that it sends you and how it sends them to you and how to decipher those messages from your body, using your intuition, using your internal knowing, then it's really hard to know what decisions to make to support yourself. Really, really hard. We'll become very disconnected. And it's actually natural to disconnect in that exhausted survival state because that's one of the ways our body thinks it's protecting us. So what I'm saying is connect to your intuition, listen to your body. And at the same time, when we're in complete exhaustion, burnout, that is one of the hardest times to, to do that. So I want to acknowledge that it's not the easiest time to connect to your intuition, but the more you can get still and simply communicate with your body and ask it, it can be as simple as closing your eyes, bringing your hands to, to, your, to your skin, to a spot on your body and asking, what do you need today? How can I support you today, body? And noticing what comes up. So even though the tendency is to disconnect, I encourage you to connect to your body, to listen to it, to communicate with it, to take its messages and take action on what it needs. Those needs are often quite simple, right? Like I need a break. I need some sunshine. I need a salt bath. I need water. I need food. I need some fresh air. I need a nap. I need to go to sleep an hour earlier tonight. It can be super simple, but that's not necessarily our body's natural inclination when we're in that state. So it really helps to slow down and ask. Another thing, and this is coming from my experience, is that there's often this belief in the story that I play out in my mind when I'm exhausted, for whatever reason, that like the world is going to leave me behind. That the world is just going to keep going and I'm never going to catch up after I take this break. And that's simply not true. The world is not actually going to leave you behind. And it is possible to, to catch up some places. But we can also ask ourselves questions like, what really needs to happen? What really needs to be completed? Because if you're anything like me... You complete way more than needs to be completed anyways. I posted something inside of the Facebook group last week that said, your energetic minimum is somebody else's energetic maximum. Your energetic minimum is somebody else's energetic maximum. My coach reminded me of this on one of our one-on-one calls, and I so needed that reminder. And I thought maybe some other people, especially the overachievers, people who are very driven, hold themselves to high standards, they might need that reminder too, especially this year when things have been anything but ordinary. And so this is your loving reminder. The world's not going to leave you behind, that it's okay to take a break and that everything on your list may not be necessary and that your bare minimum can be enough. (laughs) It might be somebody else's maximum. And then lastly, I just want to, this is probably a reminder more than anything else for, for my listeners, because I know many of you already do amazing things to take care of your physical body. But 
get support. Remember, you can ask your practitioner questions that you don't have to always sit in pain. That's also come up for me during pregnancy. To some extent, you know, there's exhaustion, right? I can't avoid that completely. But there are things I can do to support myself. I wasn't quite sure what those things were because I, I've never gotten this far along in a pregnancy before. So I reached out to my Ayurvedic doula and I just asked, hey, maybe I don't have to feel this bad. Is there some things we can do to at least take a little bit of the edge off? I know it's not going to disappear, but maybe there's some tools I can, I can implement. So ask your practitioners, make sure you have a practitioner, build a team of support, ask the questions that are going to help you, that are going to support you. That are going to also remind you that you're not alone in this exhaustion and you do have a support system. That alone, not feeling lonely or isolated in this, this process, that is healing in itself. So we're here for you too. This community, use us, tap into us. And I really hope you start to feel better soon. Next question is a business question. It reads, what are your favorite ways to build and get clarity as to who your ideal customer or client is? So there's a lesson on niching down inside of my course, Launch Your Wellness Biz, which is available on my website. And it's something I also talk about in my podcasting course, Ready, Set, Record, because We niche down within the business, but we also niche down within our podcast, and usually those things are the same thing. So you'll find those lessons in both those courses in case you want to go deeper. But what I find way more often than not is that the beginning coaches that I support want to help a version of themselves from one to five years ago. That's what I find. It it could be 10 years ago or something, but oftentimes it's one to five years ago, a previous version of themselves. They know this person intimately because they've walked in that person's shoes and they've lived that experience. And so let's say you're a spiritual awakening coach and you went through your spiritual awakening two years ago. Go back Pretend you're zooming back in time, time traveling back two years ago. Maybe you even have an old journal that you can pick up and read. And what were you literally saying and writing about in your journal two years ago? And I try to put myself back in that version of of me, her shoes, and describe her whole life. Describe what she was thinking, what was going on, even... With spiritual awakening, it's like, what were you eating? What were your rituals like? How were you taking care of yourself or not taking care of yourself? What were your relationships like? What was changing about your relationships? What kind of home did you live in? What kind of home did you wish you lived in? Or what kind of environment did you surround yourself with? What was, what was your interaction with energy? What kind of boundaries did you have or not have? And I go into that Sarah Small's shoes from two years ago, just as an example, for that spiritual awakening. And I describe it in as much detail as possible. And I remember what I was Googling and what was I saying to myself and what was going on in my life. That is oftentimes the person 
that you want to help that you're ideally suited to help. It's not always the case, but I wanted to start with that because that is, again, more oftentimes than not what I find in in the people I coach who are also coaches. And they're like, yep, I want to help myself two years ago. So let's say parts of your journey are included in who you want to help. Maybe it's a little different. Maybe it's completely different. How else can you define this? How else can you get really crystal clear on who your ideal client or customer is? You can ask a lot of the same questions, but just answer based on what you can assume about the person or what you've literally asked your, your community, not based on your own experience. Or maybe it's a combination. So what are they Googling? When I first became an autoimmune coach who focused more on the emotional healing than the physical or nutritional healing, I knew because I had lived it that my ideal clients were Googling things like boundaries and autoimmune disease, people pleasers and Hashimoto's. And they were starting to discover some of these linkages. One of my, actually the top viewed page on my website is a podcast. So my podcast is also a blog on the uncensoredempath.com. And the episode, it was a very early on episode on empaths and autoimmune disease. It is still the top viewed page on my whole site. That's a really good indication that people are Googling empaths and autoimmune disease and trying to find answers. So knowing that, knowing what your client or future client is Googling will really help you create content to suit their needs, to speak to what they're curious about. It also helps you just understand some of the internal dialogue in their head. You can also ask, what does this person deeply desire? What does this person deeply desire? I think about a pain point in my life that used to be, and there's still days, <laughs> but this used to be a very daily pain point, which was my skin. And I deeply, deeply desired clear, glowing skin, acne-free skin. And if my business was a product that helps somebody clear up their skin, or maybe we can take an internal perspective and I help somebody change their diet to help clean up their skin. So service or product, it can be either one. Knowing that my client deeply desires to clear up her skin helps you, again, really understand, like, how often is she thinking about this? What products is she currently using? How is she currently eating? And then what is the solution that you have? How does what you do or what you sell help her, support her to the highest degree? That is super helpful to know. Next, what are they so sick of? What is this person so sick of? We can use a very similar example. I deeply desire clear skin. I'm so sick of waking up and having a new bump on my face every damn morning. Let's say they're so sick of overdrafting their account and you're a money coach. They're tired of stressing about money and being afraid to open their online banking and not knowing what to expect. They feel disempowered and their relationship with money feels toxic. 
and they're sick of it. They're sick of it. They want it to change, but they don't know how. And again, follow-up question is, how could then you support and serve them to the highest degree? What do you have that they want? They want to pay for too. They're more than willing to pay for. I think about that. I think about, I have dropped thousands of dollars on my skin. I also dropped thousand dollars on courses to help change my money mindset. Turns out changing your relationship to money is more than mindset, <laughs> but that was a starting point. Another way to, to really get clear is simply to practice. So to start having, I'm thinking of this more in the coaching world. So if you're a newbie coach, get on calls, start coaching people. You can do free calls that are more market research and just ask them questions. What are you struggling with in your life? How do you want to feel? What keeps you up at night? What stresses you out? What beliefs hold you back from having the life you desire? Notice what themes you begin to pick up on and you begin to see within those conversations. So it can be a market research call where the point of the call is to ask questions just about them in exchange for their time. They're just offering, you can maybe offer an incentive if you want, or maybe you have people who are just willing to get on the phone with you and answer some questions or a form. It could be a Google form. But you can also have people who are paying clients and just, again, with practice and with time, you begin to see these themes. It happened in my business. It still happens in my business. That's part of why my business evolved. I saw this theme that every single damn person that I was working with who came to me because of chronic illness and autoimmune in the beginning stages of my business was an empath, a highly sensitive, intuitive empath. And I went even deeper than that. I noticed that the majority of my clients had some inner child healing to do. They had lots of limiting beliefs. They weren't sure how to connect with their body and embody their desire. And I saw this theme over and over again. And all my clients and all my programs actually changed my business because I saw it so much. <laughs> That's part of how it's evolved to what it is today. It's also my, my personal evolution and, and what I like to coach on and how I wanted to change my business. But it was a natural evolution in many ways and just seeing how my clients, yeah, had autoimmune. But there was also a deeper layer that they didn't always realize but that we discovered in the coaching process. So you'll start to see those themes, especially the more you can work with clients who are ideally suited for you. And then you can even just ask, it can be a less formal way of, of asking a question and just literally go into your Facebook group or your, your Instagram story, wherever you want to do this and ask people questions. Ask them what they're struggling with. Ask them what city in the world they would most want to live in if that helps you in, in some way. I'm not a huge fan of the like, describe your ideal client avatar as the mom of two in her 30s who drives a Ford Escape and uh, she eats strawberries and yogurt for breakfast. <laughs> like... That I see where that could be helpful, but I like to look at it less from those very specific details and more, what is she thinking about? What is she Googling? What does she deeply desire? What is she so sick of? What about her does she not realize about herself? And again, notice these themes. And then lastly, I'll just add that, 
again, and it's way easier to do this once you just start. It's much harder to really get to know this person if you're just going to sit on the sidelines and try to write about her on a paper than it is to get in there and actually communicate with her. And if you just get in there, what you can also do is notice which posts that you're, that you're putting out are performing best. So if I did a post on self-care for empaths and then I did a, a post on empath entrepreneur tips and I noticed that empath entrepreneur tips was exponentially performed better than the self-care for empaths, well, that shows me something, shows me what my community wants, shows me what they're interested in. And then you can make decisions and tweaks based on that. You have to get out there and, and do the doing in order to be able to do the practice, to do the market research, to ask the questions, to look at the statistics of your posts versus, yeah, the starting point may be writing it all down on a piece of paper for sure. But really getting in there is where you're going to hone in and refine so that you do know this person so, so damn well. And you can create offers based on what this person needs, what they're looking for, what they desire, based on their potential, their dreams. All right. So I hope that has been helpful. This is an important process, important step in, in building a business and really being able to find the, the language to speak to your ideal clients. First of all, you got to know who they are. I have recently been using Blissoma skincare products and there's a super fun quiz when you go to their website and you can discover which plant is your perfect match because all these plants have personalities and energies as well. I took the quiz. I got marshmallow, which I think is so funny. And it's a perennial herb with a strong root system, flower stalks that extend four feet tall and it's all about being the ultimate caretaker, and I find that I definitely apply that to my skin routine as well. So Blasoma blends whole herbs with radical compassion to create profoundly balancing skincare, which is especially important for people like myself who tend to be on the extra sensitive side with their skin. The product I'm loving right now is the Omega Miracle Facial Oil, and it has over 10 oils cold pressed and unrefined from these very rare seeds that are the perfect weight on your skin and what I found are just super, super healing. And it is as it sounds. It's pretty much good for everything. It's the miracle oil that's going to be used as a final layer on top of your moisturizer in order to help renew and replenish your skin. I'm super excited because I've been loving these products and I paired up with Blasoma to offer you 20% off all oils and serums with the code empath. Simply go to blissoma.com. That's B-L-I-S-S-O-M-A.com. Definitely take the quiz. Let me know what you get. And then also use that code empath for 20% off your order. Okay. I love this next question. It reads, what's the balance between being accessible financially to your customers and also scaling and growing your worth and value. All right. This is something that I've struggled with in my business. And I've had 
some of my biz besties mirror back to me that my prices are way lower than than the majority of other coaches who are at my level as far as our credentials and our years of practice and, and what we do. And as I reflected on that, I, I had to ask myself some hard questions like, why are my prices so low in comparison? And it was related to this question. I always prided myself on being financially accessible. Here's what I learned, though. Financial accessibility is a, a scale, a sliding scale, that is different for every person in every household. So what's financially accessible for somebody at a $10 offer versus your $1,000 offer, that's still accessible to a group of people, whereas the $10 is accessible to a group of people. So regardless of where you, on that very broad, wide scale, decide to price your offers, there's going to be a group of people, however small or large, that that is accessible to. Is it going to be everybody? No. If we try to be accessible to everyone, we get into major people-pleaser tendencies, which I am guilty of myself, and it can lead to a lot of bitterness and resentment, which I've also experienced. Because if the intention is accessibility, accessibility, accessibility above all else, you're actually leaving out the people who want to go bigger. There's an argument here that is that if you price your programs or offers too low, that's a disservice to the people who are really ready to go big and to invest more. Setting your prices is such a personal decision. And our own money story plays into this process so much. And where I've seen the bitterness and resentment creep in is in wanting to grow and scale and going, I've got fucking 13 certifications, years of experience. I've worked with thousands of people. I should, I should be at a higher level. But then there's a people pleaser who says, but make, make it available to everybody. And then there's my energy that's <laughs> like, if you try to help everybody, you're, you're just going to burn out over and over and over again. So there's choices to be made here. And I hate to see my clients have that bitterness or resentment of like, I made this amazing $50 offer. And nobody's signing up. I got like two people who signed up. That same offer at $500 might have sold the same two, two spots. Maybe it might have sold four spots. So who's to say that a $50 offer actually enrolls more people because you want to have a big impact. You want to help a lot of people. That's the point of accessibility, right? What I have found is that a lower price point does not actually mean more people. So that, let's say, again, $500 price point for the same offer may actually bring in more people and have allow you to have more impact on more people's lives than the $50 price point. 
So basically, the, the rules are are fucked. <laughs> the rules, there are no rules. Lower price point does not mean financially accessible or guarantee that more people are going to sign up. There's going to be people who find accessibility at all different price points. And if we put ourselves into this energetic maximum of I'm never going to charge over this, over this, over this, that feels like too much. I want that people to be able to afford this. And we do that at the expense of our own finances. Like this isn't going to pay my bills if I charge this low of a number or this few people enroll. Then what's the point, right? Because this business pays the bills. Yes, there's other drivers and motivations, 100%. But the reality is money is part of a business, a part that's not going to go away. So yes, know your value, know your worth. Charge what feels good to you. We can bring the feminine and the masculine in here. The masculine, we can reverse engineer and look at what our business expenses are, what our personal expenses are that we want to take out as owner's pay our profit from the business. Okay, okay, so what what does that need to be next month? Okay, based on that number, $5,000, does my 50, the one thing I'm gonna launch next month that's $50, how many of those am I gonna have to sell to cover all those expenses? A lot, right? A lot. Does that feel possible? Maybe, super easy. Okay, cool. Others might say, uh, no, that doesn't feel super easy. Okay, so maybe we need to change the prices or change the goal for the number of people in order to get that back into alignment. There aren't really any rules. <laughs> I'm giving this as, as ways to think about it, but I just want to remind you, there's no rules. So that's the masculine way of reverse engineering. Okay, are my price points actually in alignment with the growth that I want to have, the, the pace at which I want to scale my business? Because... What I've found is it's way easier to scale your business when you increase your prices. And there's no rule on, well, I can only increase them by 20% at a time. That, no, that's not true. You can raise that, you can quadruple them. There's no rules. But the person who has been buying your $5 freebie may, may not, could be, but may not be the same person who's going to buy your $1,000 program. And that's okay. So we can look at this more in the feminine as well and start to bring our energy into what do I deeply desire? What do I deeply, madly desire? Is it really being accessible to thousands and thousands and thousands of people? How am I going to be, if that's the case, how am I going to support all those thousands and thousands of people? Am I okay with it probably being not as intimate? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. Versus, and this, everyone gets to make their own choice here, but maybe it feels actually way more fulfilling. My big vision, what I'm truly, madly, deeply excited about is being able to have an intimate container with five people where I get to see right before my own eyes their transformation. So more is not always better, I argue. Charging less is not always better, I argue, especially when it comes at the expense of your financial well-being, being able to support your life or your family's life or your dreams. 
So I want to really flip this on its head and call bullshit. I also want to point out that the pool of people who it is accessible at the $1,000 rate, let's say, and, and part of your mission is to, to give back or to be inclusive, you can still make that happen by offering like a scholarship or a discounted rate to a certain group of people or through application. Or you can not do that, charge $1,000, That's this is what it is for everybody. And you can choose to take a portion of those proceeds, let's, take, let's say 15%, and you can donate that to a cause that does provide accessibility to something related. So I have my membership, Empath Leaders. It's freaking amazing. I'm obsessed. It's one of my favorite places to show up. And the investment is $111 a month. It's a low-price membership program. But low price is subjective, right? That's still not accessible, air quotes, accessible to everybody. And they're going to make that decision based on their priorities with money. So knowing that, in August, the last enrollment period... I chose to take 30% of all new enrollments and donate it to the Loveland Foundation, which doesn't do the exact same thing I do, but it does provide therapy. And so there's ways to create this, this check and balance, this ebb and flow, this, this way to give back and still build the business you desire, the life you desire, and take care of your own financial well-being instead of having to sacrifice and charge way less than you want. And if we want to talk about the energetics of money, if you charge way less than you actually want and you think the program is worth, then likely you won't be excited about it. And who wants to sign up for a program when the coach isn't excited about it, right? So there's a lot to think about here. And that's my intention is just to get you thinking about this in many different ways in order to make the decision that's most aligned for you. And to fuck the rules a little bit and what we more traditionally think is right and wrong and accessible and not accessible and the way to scale or the wrong way to scale and really flip that all in its head so you make up your own damn rules. That's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. You can do whatever the hell you want. So start asking yourself some of these hard questions that maybe challenge the lens in which you've been looking through allow you to see it in a, in a new way, hopefully a more empowering way and make the choices that you can get super fucking excited about. All right. We're going to wrap there today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of the uncensored empath Facebook members for their questions inside of today's episode. We'll be back for even more. And a reminder, that's a completely free group where you just get lots of love and support and community. And it's amazing to see a lot of collaborations have been birthed out of this group as well, which is so exciting for me to see once they come out on social media. I just, I get so giddy and it makes my heart really happy. If you're also enjoying the Uncensored Empath podcast, I would love, love, love if you would go over to ratethispodcast.com backslash empath. It'll be a super seamless instructions included way to leave a five-star review for the show. And that truly means so much. Thanks again for tuning in today's episode and I'll see you next Monday. 